relished by the wisest man. <laughs> hey, EK, are you going to run this live on... Uh, You're live on Facebook Messenger. Are you going to run it on the comedy page and FXBG Public Radio? I'll share it to all those places. It's going live from your page. Okay. And then I'll go back and I'll can share you, it. Can you share on Shock Monkey Radio Redux on my Facebook? Can you do that? Can you run it through his Thank page you. too? So we can run it as a swap cast? Uh, or is that too many? Is that too much? I I haven't configured the bandwidth for it. Okay. I have to divide the bandwidth evenly across all three streams. Yes, we can do three. It's just set up for two. Okay. Careful. I don't want to push it too hard. You're fine. Can people hear exactly. you on the microphone too? Yes, but yeah, quieter I hear. because I'm far away. It's good though. It's the type of... They should be able to hear you. You should be in on this podcast too. We should have had a camera for you. I'm a background fella, man behind the curtain. EK is gonna play World of Warcraft while we do a podcast. I can't. I'm sure. I'm sure. I said I can't use the computer. Ha ha. It just reminds me. Now I can't play World of Warcraft (laughs) with them. Now we can also get. What we should do is uh, we'll cut the light off, put the red light over me, so you can still see me on the camera. Then you can play Tony Hawk on the projector screen. Well, that's all right. People, people who want that kind of content, they can just go over to twitch.com and search for FXBG Public Radio. It's got plenty of times with EK and I playing World of Warcraft. So I'm about to start uh, streaming my Fallout 4. If that's right with you, you ever, Scott, if you don't mind. No, I do not mind at all. Do you ever play the uh, original Fallout games? Uh, I have New Vegas on my PS3. I mean, Fallout 1, Fallout 2? No, I played Fallout 2 like one time for a couple minutes. I remember Capital Wasteland, vaguely. Uh, Fallout 2 is probably one of my favorite games ever. It was uh, uh, it was in an era where it's like, um, like Quake and Doom. Those kind of games were like ruling the genre. And then um, uh, Interplay, was it Interplay? Came out with this game. And it was a a realistic role-playing game. And uh, the kind of guy I am, I grew up uh, playing role-playing games like Dungeons & Dragons, Heroes Unlimited, and stuff like that. And uh, uh, there were so many things that you can do depending upon your text choices, like your responses. And so it it would change the, the direction of your character. So you can play a character every single time through that game fallout one fallout two and have a different outcome every single time right and that was very much like role-playing games and the only thing about role-playing games is that they were better than many video games at the time right so i think um i think that's kind of how i i don't want to say fell in love with but that's how i got into liking dungeons and dragons the couple times that i played it because i had played fallout before and i really liked like the character development and fallout, the way that the story goes. Um, you know what I'm talking about? The way you like add your attributes and your perks and things like that. Um, there's some similarities in that to like the personalization of your character. Um, that aspect compared to Dungeons and Dragons, I think made me fall in love with it a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, I love, I love making characters. Um, when I got out of the Navy, I, uh, I spent, many a night just sitting there drinking and rolling up characters for my role-playing game heroes unlimited heroes unlimited and it ended up being uh like uh, all the villains in my campaigns and stuff like that were characters i rolled up just because i love the idea of creating a character it's probably why i got into writing and it's probably why my first book 
was the uh, uh, the Bunny Years, a memoir, which you can find on Amazon.com, which is about a character I played throughout like years of playing a campaign in Heroes Unlimited. Okay, that's pretty cool. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I always like make. I used to play a lot of like uh, wrestling video games when I was a kid, and I always loved doing like the create a character. Any 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 game that had like a create a player mode or feature, I love doing that. And I think that that's why I love writing so much too, because you get to just kind of create your own universe. So you like so you like wrestling, huh? I did when I was younger. All right, and then you became heterosexual. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> all right i just like busting the chops of the pwo guys you know? oh okay okay that's the podcast world order the ones that did the podcast yeah, before the, this yeah yeah i just i like busting their chops you know because uh i liked uh my friends when i was in the navy uh my friends would go out and they'd go, let's go to watch this wrestling match and it's like where and they're like at a bar it's like i'm in you know so <laughs> And I'd sit there and I watched them uh, watch this wrestling and like actually give a shit. And I was just like, wow, wow. Football's one thing, but wrestling. Hmm. <laughs> Do you like football? You football fan? No, I hate football. I hate, I hate what it does to the people who play it. I hate that the, I hate that it breeds a culture of uh, roided out <laughs> madmen, you know, like, six foot nine guys 300 pounds <laughs> you know um it's terrifying if you're a cop and you don't live as an athlete like an nfl athlete where you're constantly in the gym you know you're constantly working out you're constantly doing your cardio so i mean it's i can't imagine being a fat cop like myself you know trying to chase down a guy like that <laughs> you know it, i think it breeds bad people guys who slap their girlfriends in an elevator you know what i mean right uh i understand what you're saying where you're coming from what do you well, think I about think culturally they're... about what it breeds I, i've loved football growing up in sports my whole life but recently since i've been, gotten a comedy and creating my own worlds and stuff like that there's been less and less time for football and for outside entertainment like that um but with football and you know from watching my podcast and stuff that i'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist and um, you can see the cultural effects that that team mentality has on has on the society. Uh, sure. Uh, the good what the I would say probably the only good thing about football is that it involves a team and involves a team team mentality. However, it is a uh, it is a sport about violence and just about it's a sport about militarism <clears throat> yeah maybe a Let's, team mentality maybe a us versus them mentality is kind of what i meant um what i mean when it comes to team mentality is in baseball and i love baseball because it's it's not that aggressive because the defensive team always puts the ball into play um i preferred having collisions at home plate but you know it i kind of like the nerf idea of it um, when baseball first started, you could throw the ball at a person, and if you hit him with it, he was out. And so it was uh, – uh, but then again, the balls back then were like misshapen balls of twine, you know, so it, it really didn't hurt that much. Now the balls are like designed to be knocked over fences, and so they're incredibly hard. Uh, yeah, that rants over. <laughs> so that's what your podcast is isn't it pretty much like rant kind of 
Yeah, that organized rants. O- organized rants. Like, yeah, you caught me here six sheets to the wind, uh, asking me to do this with you, and I'm, I'm glad to do it. But uh, you know, I'm if I need to get up and pee or something like that, or if I say something crazy, it's probably because of the beer. <laughs> right. Um, you were saying, you were saying before we went live that before this, you were just sitting there talking to yourself. Absolutely, and- that's what I. That's what I call writing. Yeah, and I asked you if you if you talk back to yourself, <laughs> which you know, absolutely. They usually say, you know, you're not you're not crazy if you talk to yourself. It's when you start responding that you have to worry about. Uh, I disagree. I disagree totally. Um, I I grew up in the '80s, and I grew up a, a loner, and so all I had were my Voltron uh, uh, toys and my GI Joes. And I'd I would make up stories for my GI Joes. I'd sit, I'd pull out like this big styrofoam thing that everything came in back in the day, you know. And it'd be a base, you know, it'd be a bit base for my GI Joes. And then Cobra's running up, and there'd be a big drama going on, and like Lady J and Duke are having an argument, you know. It's like it's my baby, you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm the father, <laughs> and I would create this kind of drama, and it's like. Uh, creating characters, like I mentioned earlier, when it comes to like role playing games, creating characters involves creating a personality, and creating another character is very much a kind of schizo- schizophrenic mood. Yeah, you know, in many in many ways. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know if you there's an old Twilight Zone episode where this guy he's a ventriloquist uh, performer, and the uh, the personality of the dummy like starts taking over his mind. It's like that's that's kind of the limit, you know. You don't you need to separate the character that you create, right? You know, from yourself. And I think that I'm uh, intelligent enough to uh, separate the characters that I create. But right. you know, I I could embody any character I play, and that's and that comes into play when you play a role playing game like Dungeons and Dragons or Heroes Unlimited, you know, where you can act like that character you know, in order to get more experience or something like that. But I mean, it's, that's what acting is, is embodying something different than you. But if your character is always, uh, what's his name from Shit's Creek, uh, Eugene Levy's kid, you know, if you're, every character is that, then that's not acting, is it? Right, right. <laughs> uh, so I, I started doing the like, talk to yourself, talk back kind of activity as a, uh... As like a, like a practice, not a practice, but as a, like a research almost to see what it's like to be crazy, I guess, or what, what people, at least the mainstream consider to be crazy. But then I started learning. It is actually a really good way to create a dialogue. And, uh, Absolutely. and if you are intelligent enough, then you can keep aware that that's what you're doing. And then, like you said, when you go into creating other characters, playing other characters, you can, you're cognizant enough to see where that line is between uh, what's me and what's, what's the role. Absolutely. Even when, even when drunk. <laughs> even when drunk. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, if you play a different character or you act out a different character, you know, uh, whether you're a comedian or an actor or even a writer, it's that um, when you enact this character, you need to think about how that character thinks, you know, and uh, and it can be contrary. It oftentimes is contrary to way 
you think. And so that's why I, I consider writing to be a, a place where um, I can sit there and I can write a question. Like I can sit there and I'll write a question and say, what is an apple? And then I'll ask all the characters in my head what, what they think of when they think apple. And it could be anything from, you know, razor blades and apples. There's like apples, you know, I bit, I bit into an apple and there was a worm in it, you know, witches use apples to poison people. It could be, you know, it's like apple pie is fucking delicious. You know, it could be a myriad of opinions and it's a way of looking at everything from every different angle. And that's, that's kind of the advantage of that kind of perception. I think if I was playing fallout, I would have like maxed out perception. <laughs> my, like, my, my P in special would be capitalized. Like if, uh, if, if life was fallout, is that what you mean? What I mean is I've been saving bottle caps for years and they're still worthless. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun i'm glad we did this yeah yeah i'm glad we're doing this too man i really like that background that you chose for this too okay well, i'm gonna change it then because you like it okay that's fair yeah that's one of my favorite movies you like the warriors oh yeah i love the warriors did you see luke cage i watched so i can't remember if i finished that or not i don't think i finished luke cage that was pretty good. They had a, it, they had a couple of Luke Cage, uh, Luke Cage had a couple of uh, Warriors references. I, okay. I, I kind of liked it, but I thought they were kind of shoehorned in. Right, right. Luke Luke Cage, especially season one, was an incredible series. I really loved that. What's but, uh, the um, just what is it called, Jessica? Oh, uh, is it Jessica Jones? Jessica Jones. Okay. That girl is hot as hell, but that what a boring ass show. Yeah, uh, Kristen Ritter. She's like one of my. Oh, look, it's a picture of you and EK. That's interesting. Which one is which? That's what I want to you know. What you <laughs> think. Which one? Which one is which? Either way, you both lose. The fat one's me, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing between me and EK. He's like, I think I got something stuck in there. Can you be a bro? <laughs> be a bro. <laughs> He's like, got your, you, you I got, got his back. Eric, I will pull anything out of your ass if you need me to. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let him know when he comes back in the room. I, I figured he wasn't in the room because I imagined he would have laughed his ass off. Of course he left the room when mm -hmm. you said that. Uh, how long were you in the Navy for? A uh, little over four years. I joined the Navy uh, on September 11th, 1997. Okay. Do the math. I was supposed to get out in four years. Oh wow! So you uh, you had to stay in longer because of everything that happened. That's right. Uh, when the attack happened on September 11th, I um, the, uh, the Navy, all military services uh, uh, put out a stop loss, and I was supposed to put go into uh, terminal leave that day. And so uh, at the end of the, at uh, we were real busy at my command on that day. We we're in the process of moving a bunch of equipment and <laughs> so much of the Navy is bringing stuff onto a ship. And so it's, um, yeah. And so uh, we we're in the process of doing all that, but it, it was early in the morning. We had just taken a couple loads over to our, our ship, the USS Mount Whitney. And uh, uh, then the news started breaking. Uh, back then CNN was a reliable news source. 
and um, that right. was that was on, so people can understand, you know, keep up with what's going on. I worked in information technology, so uh, information is key. And so, um, and then we we said hold, hold, hold everything once the uh, first plane hit, and then uh, uh, then they said uh, move everything back, and so the rest of the day was moving everything back. Uh, and also watching this horrible, horrible thing uh, play out on television. Um, but at the end of the day, they said, all right, you're all relieved, you know, and that we broke up and it's like, uh, you will be called, you will be contacted about what's coming next and so forth at the end of the day. And so I went down to administration, and like put in my paperwork on September 11th, 2001 uh, to leave the Navy. <laughs> and people were like, our country just got a, a, just got attacked. It's like, you think that, uh, and you want to get out of the Navy? And I was like, look, you know, what I'm good at is computers, you know, and technology and stuff like that. And even when I got out, I worked for a defense contracting organization. And arguably, I did a lot more good there than I would have done by remaining in the Navy as a, 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 an E-5. You know, so you had a, a more of a lower ceiling for doing good, for the potential of doing good in the Navy because of your rank. Is that what you're saying? Well, first of all, I didn't want to stay in the Navy. I didn't like it. They had no real outlet for creative, uh, creative output. And I'm a creative kind of guy. I got right. in trouble in the Navy because I created a, a fuck the Navy website. <laughs> and uh <laughs> uh people t- i wrote essays about why the navy sucks and all that it, it it it's a good life for some people it's a good life for somebody to experience for four years like myself i think it, i've been overall is a totally positive experience uh but it wasn't the place for me to remain right and, and so um nothing wrong with that yeah and so even though i even when I got out, I was uh, working for a defense contracting company, you know, providing information. I can't say a whole lot about it, but I'm providing information yeah. because, you know, I get a security clearance. I got to add a security, security clearance. I don't think I have it now. And so it's, uh, that's probably why right there. And so, <laughs> and so uh, you know, I was, I did, a, I think I did a lot more good at a higher level than I could have done as an E5 or an E6 in the Navy by staying in for another four years. If I stayed in for another four years, I probably could have made E6. <clears throat> but that I, I would also have to have been deployed, which means I would have to go out to a ship that actually went on deployment. When I was in the Navy, I, only, I, I, I never went out for more than like two weeks at sea. Oh, really? Yeah. But if I, if I had remained in the Navy, I would have to go to a deployable command um, where it's six month deployment, six months back, six month deployment, six months back. Right, and uh, like you said, that just wasn't for you. And it's it's good, it's smart that you don't force anything that's not for you, because otherwise you're going to be miserable. You're going to be resentful of the situation you're in, and of yourself too, in the long run. Absolutely. I mean, that's why I started writing. Um, uh, when I was in the Navy, it's like people were always constantly telling me, it's like, why did you write this? Why, why, why did you say this that way? Why did you do that? And 
uh, I'm just the kind of guy who has to get that out. And because I was so stifled while I was in the Navy and uh, even afterwards in the civilian sector where um, uh, this is the early, early 2000s. And um, this is when all this political, political correctness started coming into play. And it's like, you can't say this, you can't say that you can't write this. You can't write that. And I was like, I'm sorry. I have to say these things that are in my head or else I'm going to go crazy. And that's why, and that's why I ended up writing a book. That's why I ended up being a podcaster. That's why I ended up being a YouTuber is because if I don't say this stuff, I will go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's all just spinning up here and you gotta get it. You gotta get it off your chest. Absolutely. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean, Scott. I think that's another reason why I started doing comedy, too. And a lot of comedians turn usually pain and you know turmoil, dysfunction from their life into humor, uh, as opposed to just letting it sit up here and, and, and boil and stew and uh, ultimately go crazy. You like Sam Kennison, right? Uh, he's not one of my favorites, but I like Sam Kennison. I don't hate Sam Kennison. Uh, uh, fair enough. Uh he had a head injury yeah. when he was a kid and, um, and it, it completely changed his personality. And I think that it turned, it turned him into a kind of a, gave him a like kind of Tourette's. That's why the, what all the yelling was about. I think uh, that being said is that I think that um, that, uh, that blow to the head, it put something in him where his filter was broken. Right. Where, where I, I can, I can freely say what's going on in my mind. And a lot of that is what writing is about and what comedy is about is like, if I can freely say or write what is in my mind, you know, then I can, I can make amazing things. It's like, I always say is like write drunk, edit sober. I like that policy. I do too. It's what I live by. I don't drink a lot. Uh, I come from a long line of alcoholics. I grew up in a household of alcoholics, and it was same, same, uh, very chaotic and stressful and dysfunctional. So I'm not a big fan of alcohol, but I have. There's definitely been times that I've considered leaning on it to help me write. Do um, you think it helps you? Yeah, um, I think I get into a frame of mind usually early in the morning. When I wake up and I'm like, uh, you know, taking that first poop of the day, you know, something funny will will come to me and I'll just like type something in my phone or I, I'm a fan of index cards. I keep them around everywhere I sit. Yeah. And so uh, I'll, I'll write down a note or something like that and it's something I can expand on later or write upon later. You know, uh, early in the morning, I tend to get a little bit of inspiration. And but if I get like six, six beers, six to eight, how many uh, let's say 10 beers in me and uh, 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 that's kind of rewarding as well because um, if you've ever been to a bar and there's some really loose lip guy <clears throat> and he's cracking everybody up and everything he says is like golden nugget, golden nugget, golden nugget. And people are like, Hey, you should be a comedian. And he, he needs that golden hour between five and six beers where he's on point. Right. You, know, you don't, you're not necessarily a comedian if you're funny between five and six beers. You need to be funny throughout the day. And so I think that uh, comedy is something that you wake up thinking. It's like when I wake up in the morning, it's like, you know, the only thing that like 
gets me out of bed because like you said you know a lot of comedy you know comes from pain and hardship the, the only thing that gets me out of bed is like what are these ridiculous humans going to show me today what ridiculous thought am i going to have today right. you know i can't wait to see what today holds in that regard and it makes life a lot easier to live when you look at it through that lens too you gotta laugh to keep from crying my friend yes i was talking to somebody about that the other day who i don't think they're necessarily trying to pursue comedy as like a lifetime career or anything like that but they've recently started toying with writing comedy and, and doing open mics and they yeah. just said starting to look at things through that lens and constantly be on that that frame and looking at things through that prism that it's just made life so much easier to live. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> cause you can uh, just make light of anything, especially the, the bullshit, the, what normally is negative or, you know, well, especially what is negative, you know, um, I, I don't know how many times you can laugh at a Hitler joke, you know, or a, I mean, or, or a Holocaust joke. I mean, I'm not trying to say that those are always the best, but I mean, it's cathartic when you, when there's a pain associated with a, a subject, you know, yeah. then there's a lot of catharsis that could be released through a joke. You yeah. know, I think it was, uh, George Orwell was it George Orwell that said within, within, within every joke is a tiny revolution. And I think that there's a, there's a purpose to that. And when it comes to comedy, it's like it, comedy is the the pressure valve of the people. You right. Know? And so when Dave Chappelle comes out there and tells you about the Juicy Smollier, you know, story, <laughs> there's a lot of catharsis being released through that joke. Right. You know, that the, uh, that whole bit, you know, and so we can all kind of look at each other and go, OK, we're all laughing together. Yeah, exactly. And because there's uh, that's kind of the genius of Dave Chappelle is that he really isn't a person who sees race. He sees the commonality between us all. It's like we can all look at that story and say, bullshit, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, I love Chappelle. He's one of my favorites. Uh, that's Chappelle, Chappelle, Rogan, and Bill Hicks are, are probably my top three. Uh, Bill Hicks is good. I'm. I'm a real big fan of Carlin, George Carlin. I'm that guy. That guy was a genius. God rest his soul. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, 100%. And I go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, a lot of respect to Carlin too. Cause he put out so many specials. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. He, he cranked it out. I mean, he was a producer. I mean, he, uh, that's, that's the thing when it comes to uh, modern comedians and modern podcasters and stuff like that, you if you keep putting out content, you know, you're going to hit sooner or later. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I heard a music producer talk of queen saying is like, I've never seen a more prolific and talented band that produced so fast. And when you talk about like queen between 1977 and like 19, uh, let's say 88, they put out so many albums in comparison to like every other, uh, so many bands in, in in that era, you know, some bands would take like a year to put out an album. And when you're in a comedian, if you're a Joe Rogan type comedian, you want to put out a special, <laughs> excuse me, you want to put out a special about every year, but you want to 
you know, work to that level, uh, work to an album level. Say you need 12 tracks, but you got a year to write 12 tracks. Then, you know, it's, it's a difficult task. And thinking about Queen doing that, it's like, wow. Wow. What were you talking about? So you were in the Navy, and one of your favorite bands is Queen. Is that what you're telling me, Scott? Uh, when I went in the Navy, I was mostly uh, chanting Dave Matthews Band songs when I was uh, <laughs> marching. Because you did so much marching when you go to boot camp. You know, yeah, uh, and so it's just it's just one, two, three, four, all day long. <laughs> and then you'd have another division walking by, and they have a different cadence. They're on a different step. They're on the half step, you know. And so I'm like, <laughs> then I'll be I'll be singing a Dave Matthews Band song, two step, in my head, just to keep myself from going crazy, just counting to four over and over again. Do you play any instruments? I play the drums. I oh, dabble in, I dabble in guitar and ukulele. I was trying to learn the drums recently. Uh, at the last place I was staying at, they had a drum set, and I was just kind of starting to get the hang of it. And then I had to move, so uh, I had to, whatever. I haven't been able to practice for a while. Well, here's the trick, Bo. Come here, bass, buddy. bass on one and three. Snare, snare on two on. and four. Yeah. And that's what um, that's what I was working on. It's just a matter of moving my hands and my feet independently of each other. What's funny is that um, marching uh, had a percussive quality to it. You know, it really uh, helped my percussion. Uh, I played drums before I went in the Navy. And so um, when I went in the Navy, uh, they would have these cadences that would mimic... Um, percussion obviously and so it'd be one a and a two and a three and in a four you know and it's all in 16th notes or eighth notes above the you know the one one two three four you know what i mean yeah can it's you read music or no i don't know how to read music okay it's funny know. though because actually after i um after i did that when i was going for jogs and stuff i would count my steps when i was running as one two three four one two three four and there's something about that that just kind of makes it easier you're only taking four steps you're not taking you know 400 or whatever it is well i guess the argument is is like why isn't when you march why doesn't why isn't it just one two one two one two one two and i just have to say it's because even in the military that's boring yeah, that's what I was thinking too. <laughs> it, 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 it's just too boring. One, and two, three, four. I can. I feel like I can do that for a while. <laughs> I'm sure there are plenty of people who are marching with me in the Navy who were uh, who would count every single step instead of going one, two, three, four. They're five, six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> They'll keep going, and it's like it's 777 steps to the mess hall. <laughs> That'd be insane. But yeah, I'm sure there are some people that are that meticulous and that analytical. A lot of insane people went in the military, by the way. You think so? I've been in the military. I know so. <laughs> I know so. But what's interesting about the military is that it gives you this place where you can, um, you act one way and be another. 
you know, and I, you know, when you, when you go home at the end of the day, if you live off base <coughs> or something like that, it was like, even if you live on base, it's like, that's your own place. And, uh, I remember, um, when I first became an NCO, which is a non-commissioned officer, when I made E4, I, I got moved to this nicer barracks. Um, and, uh, the first room I got into, you get, you get to share a room with only one other dude, which was awesome because previously it was like four other dudes at least, you know, I'm sorry, three other dudes at least on a ship you're with everybody, but, um, right. Uh, I moved to this barracks and it was only one other roommate and I came in and I started moving my stuff into the room and the whole time he's just laying face down on his rack watching porn the entire time. He's like, hey man, you like porn? I was like, yeah, I guess. Let's talk about porn. You like watching this porn? I got other porns. Just obsessed, huh? Yeah. And so um, it's a good way to fry your brain. Well, it's a good way to tell you, I maybe I need another room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. I mean, seriously, he had a pillow under his crotch and like one under his head, and just sit there, just grinding. You know, just, you like porn, looking at you. <laughs> mm. You like, you like, you like this porn. I got other porns. <laughs> God damn man. Military is. <laughs> The military is a weird place. No, I imagine so. It's a it's a melting pot. It's, it's got to be. And there's yeah. no way to fully yeah. uh, th- there's no way to fully vet everybody. And a lot of crazy people are intelligent and know how to duck the system. Well, I wouldn't say it's ducking the system, as it is so much as that. Um, everybody who ends up in boot camp. You know, if you end up there, that means you passed all the medical and psychological and even background checks that is involved. Everybody who's there has passed all that. And so you're you're dealing with a baseline of people. It's like there's a lot of people who don't meet that baseline. And it's sad. I felt bad because uh, when I joined the Navy, there was this other guy who was going in, but he had um, real bad arches on his feet and they wouldn't let him in. And so um, I felt bad for him, you know, because, uh, you know, this is his he wanted this to be his path to a, uh, a lucrative career. It's the kind of same kind of thing that I wanted when I when I went in It's like I wanted to get an education and I wanted to get away from my parents. You know, I wanted to see the world. Right. And, and so um, I felt bad if the, about those people who got like kicked out right right away. But then again. Those people you were in boot camp with met the baseline. That means um, it's it's actually kind of hard to get into the Navy. And so um, uh, all those people who, who met that baseline, you know, even out of those, you know, uh, like, for example, it's 100 people. Once you get into a division, you got 100 people in there. And we graduated like 68, 69, something like that. What were you? What were you talking about? Uh, we were talking about how you said you would pick anything out of EK's ass if he if he needed you to. True statements. He did say that earlier. EK, if you needed me to do that. <laughs> we were talking about the monkey picture behind him. If 
if push came to shove, if he had no one else to call, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> EK is like, I guess. That's how, what, how long have you and Eric been working together? Oh, shit. Um, working together more than a decade? Really? Yeah. How long have you guys known each other? Uh, I want to say about 15 years. How'd y'all meet? What'd y'all start? What was the first kind of project y'all started doing? Was it podcast here or doing like sound? No, Heroes. It was it was Heroes Unlimited uh, playing uh, role-playing games. It was uh, just Nerds. hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. You're one too. I don't give a shit. I the, definitely uh, came in here the other day, saw the uh, like tetrahedron die, die and uh, told him that I would play is he mad that I said tetrahedron? Tetrahedron. Dodecahedron. Dodecahedron is a twelve-sided die. Also, Polly was also appropriate. Polly wants a cracker. I've been reading this book, and it's about sacred geometry and stuff. So they keep talking about tetrahedrons and so on and so forth. You like the pyramid theory that, like, uh, you put a. Uh, a piece of fruit under a pyramid and it doesn't uh, rot as fast. What do you believe about that? Yeah, we were talking about that recently. There's, uh, there's a lot of weird like properties about the pyramids. This book that I'm reading, actually the chapter that I'm in right now is about sacred geometry and about the platonic, the platonic shapes, I think platonic solids, platonic solids. Yes. Um, but I don't know, man. There's definitely something to that. There, there's something to energy fields and I don't know, man. Yeah, science. <laughs> science, yeah. Who knows? Or magic. Or magic. Or you could be an experiment or a mutant. You never know. It's magic until they call it science. Um, no, I've seen some weird... I used to watch a lot of ancient aliens. You know, obviously, that's one of those things you, t you take with a grain of salt everything they talk. Ancient alien theorists say that. You know, but um, there are some weird things on that show that they do bring up. But I remember them talking about the Coral Castle guy. Had, yeah. And, yeah. Um, Florida, yeah. And him knowing about... He knew the secrets of how they built the pyramids. And in that episode, they kind of talk about like the properties of the pyramid and it's like electromagnetic field. Um, I've seen like a thing. I don't remember what it was that I saw. They had like a, a pyramid that was made out of like copper, right? It was just like bars, right? Um, and they put it in some some machine or some apparatus and it kind of started like levitating and spinning and rotating and the, on ancient aliens they were like does this mean that the pyramids are spaceships but uh but uh i definitely think that ancient civilizations had some metaphysical understandings that we don't some better understandings of energy and the earth and and those sorts of properties and how to use those to their benefit to construct things or or, or whatever, man. Uh, sure, but you, we have to understand that the Earth's magnet, magnetic field has changed a lot. Yep, that's true too. Especially when you consider how long humans may have been 
a, a species on this earth. Right. You know, in the Bible, they talk about like uh, this controversial subject, but they talk about that um, yeah, hominids like us, you know, may have existed alongside uh, dinosaurs. And um, if you ever ate a bucket of chicken, I think there's your proof. Yeah. Have you ever been around live chickens? <laughs> yeah. They're They're, def hate they're hateful. They're definitely little dinosaurs, man. Absolutely. They have little reptile brains. Have you ever kicked a chicken? <laughs> no. But they're uh keep spending time with them. They're you, you will. They're not they're not scared of like my dog. You know what I mean? Like if I take my dog over to my dad's house where he has chickens, they'll they'll buck up on him and run up on him and run him off. They're Absolutely. very they're very lizard brained. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh I mean a, a lot of scientists say that they think that dinosaurs were more, more bird-like, that they had feathers, and that they absolutely yeah. chick, chickens are descended of the dinosaurs, especially if you look at their claws and their feet. Well, um, some people say that you know the fossils that say that the the uh, the dinosaurs had scales were actually like short feathers, like early uh, feathers. You know, they're not like birds today where the feathers are real long. They're just really, really short. And so they're like, they're almost huggable. Right. You know? If you saw a dinosaur with like, like a brontosaurus with a bunch of feathers on it, you're just like, oh, I want to hug it. Until. <laughs> Until they eat you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a brontosaurus. He doesn't care about me. Until he, get he wants to eat the tree. <laughs> right. <laughs> Until a gang of velociraptors comes around the corner. Exactly. And chooses to kill you instead of the brontosaurus because you're right. the easier prey. But uh yeah, definitely I'm definitely into like especially when it comes to ancient Egypt, the pyramids, things of that nature. There's this really interesting YouTube video on this channel called After School about Tesla and the pyramids. And basically what they talk about is this idea that because the, the pyramids isn't four-sided. It's eight-sided, right? So um, it's octagonal. And inside, that causes like a certain acoustic frequency. Yeah. You, you and I both know that when they build churches and certain sacred sites, that they build yes. them for a certain frequency. They even did that in the U.S. Capitol. Yeah, that, that resonance is everything vibrates that's part of the spirit the the all source god whatever you want to call it allah whatever uh the sp flying spaghetti monster it's a um, it's a vibration it's a frequency and um in this video they talk about it's like a theory that the egyptians were using the pyramids to kind of recreate the, like the death experience or like recreate the big bang experience through like resonant frequency so that i guess it would almost be like it would almost be like a psychedelic experience when you go in there and be like an ego dissolution or something uh along those lines that's cute yes you're cute show me your butt what do you think it is then, Mr. Scientist? I think that humans were figuring out music as long as well as they were figuring out logic. Yeah. I think that um I think that people like it when uh 
a guitar is played inside, <laughs> you know, inside uh, the pyramid. The acoustics are good. That's why amphitheaters were built in Rome. You, you know? think the pyramids are a concert hall? I think it's a concert hall. Okay, I mean, but some of the concepts that I was talking about, it makes sense though, right? Do you think that it's a spiritual concert hall, that there is a spiritual aspect to it? I think that cultures, all, I think that cultures, especially around that era, were uh, especially susceptible to the power of music. Yeah. You know, um, people would, um, uh, in Japan, for example, it's like they would tune swords. You know, there are people who would tune swords. I'm not trying to get all Alex Jones in here, but they would tune swords to a certain pitch. <laughs> no, you know? that's really interesting. I've never heard that before. Really? I think I probably just made it up. Uh, <laughs> there's another culture. I can't think exactly. I, I want to say it's like somewhere like Nepal or somewhere kind of like that. Um, I don't but, say that. China, China's going to shut this video down. It could. It's either like one of those type of countries or like a South American country. I'm not quite sure. I can't remember, but they believe that like existence, like the universe is a dance that everything oh. is a dance. Oh, definitely. And that, uh, that would make the big bang, right. The, the, a, a giant music note that's infinitely well, expanding. I, I think that the big bang is a sneeze by God that turns into a song and um and that's the um that's the rhythm of the universe and it's like everything moves um according to the laws of our dimensions right you know in our three dimensions it's like every everything uh, uh moves according to these laws and in many ways you can argue that that it's a rhythm <coughs> that is that is the the percussion of the universe and it's just waiting for our song and our song is your comedy and my podcast. And that, yeah, you know, or your writing. We're we're all singing the song. Everybody's absolutely. We're all we're co-creators in this this existence in the universe, and we can all contribute a verse. We're all we're all made in God's image, or as Gnostics say, we're God's brothers. Like we're it's a. On the seventh day, he rested and. It's it's our turn now that the reins are handed over to us to kind of help finish in the the job of creation. Okay, okay, I'm done with that. Um, and, and you can ask yourself, is like, did God come to Earth to be, um, so that God could become man, or is it so that man can become like God? I think it's because when you're as infinite as God, that you would get bored with it. So what you would do, right? Since you're a creator, you love you, you used to sit around rolling your dice all night making characters. That's basically what God would do, and he would make all these different versions of himself, and the first thing he would do is make them all forget that they're God, that they're an extension of the infinite consciousness. And uh still listening. Still the bear. I, I I don't know. I think that's kind of the ultimate it's just kind of the ultimate joke. It's 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 a joke on yourself. Okay, you want to get Joe Ro Joe Rogan with us? Yeah, Joe Rogan, Duncan Trussell. I, that's um, my that's my realm. Um, people who say that um there is no God, people who are adverse to God, the concept of God, 
probably do not understand at all what God is. And I'm one of those people. I don't know what God is. Yeah, because if you, you know? understood what God was, it would make your fucking head explode. Only God can comprehend God. Absolutely. And so, um, but and you, all of this, I just want to say, I'm only calling it God for, to, to go with the mainstream. I usually refer, refer to it as the all, the all source, the infinite consciousness, the universe. Yeah. The all spark. I get it. Yeah. And so it's, um, you, you can name it whatever you want, but you have, you cannot look at this universe and and look at it and say, this is beautiful. And then you realize who can see that it's beautiful. Does a wolf see that? Does Bo see that the universe is beautiful? You know, who can see that other than us as human beings? You look at the universe, you can look at Saturn or you can look at Venus and say, that's a fucking beautiful looking planet. Wouldn't want to go there, but it looks nice. Does Saturn have an Instagram account? <laughs> what are you getting at, though? Do you think that I think that all of these things, I mean, the, the, the couch, everything in here is, is a product of something natural. And therefore, I, I, I believe it's all in the mind of the all and it's all a product of the infinite consciousness uh sure i think every, the couch and everything that's in that studio with you was forged in the heart of our star in the heart of the, in the heart of the sun absolutely i believe that and i believe that everything that's been forged in the heart of that star has some sort of connection to each other and that's the way that matter works that's the way that gravity works it's like we it all interacts with yeah. with each other Wow. Sorry, I was talking. Sorry, I was saying no to the dog, not you. Um, So, yeah, with all that being said, do do you think that it has. Does that mean that all of it has a sentience or a consciousness or a perspective? Well, how can you look at something that beautiful and not say that it, it wasn't designed? And. It's kind of unique as us, as humans, to be able to look at something and even question, even ask that question. And being able to ask that question is, um, I don't know, kind of proof of maybe there's a plan to this. You know, what it, I mean, what it is, who, who only knows? That's between you and God or you and the simulation. Depending right. upon <laughs> between yeah. depending upon how how you look at it, you know the best thing about not being God or not being the architect in Matrix, you know it's um, the best thing about those those roles is that it's not up to me, right? You know, right. To judge to to judge you. Yeah, it takes a lot of burden off my shoulder. Absolutely. And you need to let that go. And in, in, in many ways, it's like, there's a lot of injustices that happen in this, in this world. And you're just like, it's like, I got to let that go. I got to let that go. You know, whether it's somebody saying something uh, racist or that you see as racist or, uh, or hateful, or just a guy cutting you off on the highway, you know, 
you, you got to let it go. Yeah. What well, Jesus said, turn the other cheek, right? Ab- absolutely. But uh, I think just Jesus was just saying. <laughs> just shaking his head in disappointment. Just this world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As, you, as you're getting bitch slapped. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? <laughs> All right, man. I, you need to be entertaining for a little bit. I need to pee. All right. I'll just talk to EK. EK, how you doing? What game are you playing over there? Animal Crossing. Oh, is it fun? Um, I don't know. Now, that's the Switch yeah, that you're playing Switch. that on? Animal Crossing is like the new hit game where like you can get your own private island and you can build a house and there's a whole... It's, it's a lot of chores. They turn chores into a game. I'm not sure why people have so much fun playing this. That's like the Fallout 4, though. There's so much like keep-up you have to do with all your little like settlements and stuff. Yeah, it's it's kind of like that. Like, like I, right, right now I'm going around an island. I'm chopping trees. I'm, I'm picking weeds and, and I can sell the weeds and, and I can Sims was the same way though. Like if your Sims were stupid, they would like burn the house down. Like (laughs) you gotta get their skills up. You know what I mean? You gotta have like all the right. You gotta set things up for them right, so they don't just totally fail at life. And then even if you set them up right, they still totally fail at life. Yeah, yeah. I'm running out of beer. That's sad, man. I'm sorry. Thoughts and prayers. Ah, wow. You know, this uh, th- this podcast probably isn't getting a lot of engagement because my top commenter isn't watching the live stream right now. What? <laughs> I said this podcast probably isn't getting a lot of engagement because my top commenter isn't watching the live stream right now. Oh, you mean me? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Usually all over my podcast. Well, you know. I uh, I got a lot of things, I got a lot of things to say in retrospect, you know. Well, I've noticed that too, and uh, you, you're 24 hours after me. So, has my podcast, has something stupid I've ever said on my podcast, uh, sparked a conversation or a, a topic for you to to rant on? Oh no, no, I don't no. inspire you. No, I'll be right back. You just don't want to give me that up. Uh, you still want to give me the credit, huh? I like how he left again. He's like, oh, <laughs> I gotta go. He's going to text EK. The fuck is this guy's problem? The ego on this dude. <laughs> what do you expect? I, I spilled a beer, you know. Spilled the beer? Is Caught that, me. Is that what he said? Yeah, he nine nine sheets to the wind. Nine sheets to the one. That means something else in my friend group, but. So, uh, n- no, generally your podcast do not inspire me to write anything. And, um, I'm, I mean, no insult by it. I only asked that. I didn't mean it in like an egotistical way. Like, do I inspire you, Scott? It's only because you're commenting. So I've, I've seen you comment a lot on my podcast. So I'm wondering if there's been like, Shit, well, I want to talk about this on my show. You know what I mean? This kind of sparked something. It, it's it's more about um, supporting uh, the other creators that are here. Synergy. Here, Yeah, here at FXPG Public Radio. Um, I think that 
uh, even the evolution of Shock Monkey Radio has uh, been built upon our decade, EK's and I's decade of running that show and um, learning, getting lessons learned uh, every single podcast. And it's given me a, a, you know, a decade of experience when it comes to like creating content for either a podcast or a YouTube channel. And so you have to, uh, uh, I guess you get, you, you level up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a good way to, to say it. Yeah. Uh, podcasting has helped me a lot too. I feel like just being conversational, um, helps me cause I'm not, I'm honestly not the most social guy, even though I'm a comedian um, other people that I actually hang out with and spend time with would tell you I'm social. And maybe I am when I get around people, but for the most part, I try to keep to myself and I can be antisocial. So it's just a good exercise of running my mouth for when I get on stage with a microphone in front. And it's also a good, a good practice for just kind of l- lowering this veil of I'm on camera. I have a microphone in front of my face. Yeah, I'm I'm far more comfortable in front of a camera than I than I am in front of however many people are watching this right now. If I were if I were in a room with all the people who ever watched this video, I would be nervous as fuck because people drive me crazy. If I'm alone here in my basement, I don't care. You know, I, I feel like I can, I can say whatever I want. Uh, right. There there have been other comedians who have come through uh, FXPG Public Radio. Uh, some, most of them, not as good as you, but it's, um, they've, they've asked me, it's like, why don't you like go into stand up comedy? Cause you're kind of funny and you have a little bit of charm to you. And I was just like, well, I can't, I'm always funny in retrospect, but it's, it's like, um, um, it takes me time to figure out the perfect retort to something somebody said, you know? And so if I watch a YouTube video, it's like I watch a two, uh, Tim Pool video and then I come up with a smart-ass answer and like a bunch of people like it and stuff like that and I get two new subscribers <laughs> or something like that. And so it's... Um, I don't really think on my feet uh, as well as a lot of comedians do. And so I prefer to write in that kind of context. I, I'd rather have a framework... Um, I don't know if you've read my notes on the private group where I put my notes for the shows um, for Shock Monkey Radio, but I I have this framework. I was like, this is this is a kind of kind of the thing I want to say, but then uh, part of it is improv, and improv in many ways is um, what I lack, and so um, there's kind of a balance that you need to uh, take as a comedy writer in terms of the joke you write and how you perform it. Yeah. 100%. And you need to be kind of like in your head, you know, if, if you're, if you're saying the joke in your head, as you write it, you need to be saying it the way that you will say it on stage. Well, um, sure. But, um, even if, even if you need to edit, edit the joke, in order to get to the crux of the joke in order for the, the sake of time or for the sake, because if you like, if somebody says you got 15 minutes, it's like, well, I got 20 minutes of jokes here. 
that I want to do tonight. It's just like, you got to edit a little bit. And so even as a comedian it's like, you, you probably got to edit on the fly. You got to write on the fly yeah. and I'm not really good at that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I'm better at editing on my own time and writing on my own time. Right. There's nothing wrong with that though, either. It's, it's, uh, um, it, it gives you more space and room to work and, and that, and if you can avoid the, the stress and the pressure of, of doing comedy and, or, or writing in that forum, the way that you're talking about that, that quick pace of having to edit on the fly, if you can avoid that stress, then avoid it. Same, same as getting out of the Navy. You know what I mean? There's no reason to put that pressure on yourself if you don't have to. Absolutely. And, um, it's kind of what I love about writing is that you can craft this perfect retort, even if it's like uh, three years later. I remember I. I, I Do you uh, think I, you could ever be a public speaker in the same like faculties that uh, Henry Rollins does public speaking? Henry Rollins? Henry Rollins used to be a lead singer for uh, a band called Black Flag. And now he I, does like public speaking. I'm insulted. Like motivational public speaking. Yeah positivity yeah kind of it's not like it's not like motivation i mean kind of but he kind of mixes some jokes and stuff in there too why are you insulted scott i'm insulted that you didn't know what you thought i don't know what black flag was anyway so um (laughs) you were talking about how much you love queen earlier so you think I stopped listening to music after 1986? Get out of here, man. So it's... <laughs> well, you dress like it. Ow. That's a sick burn. Somebody clipped that. Anyway, so... um, You dress like you're auditioning for George Zimmerman. Hey, man. <laughs> you, you called me. All right, motherfucker. You called me. EK called you. synergy <laughs> and it, anyway what was your stupid fucking question <laughs> i can't remember what it was what were we talking about no i don't think that i could be a henry rollins that like goes around like motivationally speaking to people i don't think that that's um in my wheelhouse <laughs> your wheelhouse the, you think the, the podcast is your niche i i think that um that in many ways I'm like Alex Jones or Gavin McInnes is like these kind of people who speak their mind and uh, uh, say what's on their mind. It's like, it's like, I'm not, I'm not sitting here intentionally trying to be provocative. I'm just sitting here saying what's on my mind, talking to somebody. Like if I was with my best friend, Scott, if I were with you right now, we'd be sitting there, we'd be smoking and joking and, and we'd have a very similar conversation. Yeah. Believe me. Believe no, yeah, me. I believe that. I believe that. I don't censor myself on my channel. I don't censor myself anywhere I go. And that has caused me a shitload of problems when it comes to the Navy, when it comes to being in a, a, a defense contracting job afterwards. So, I mean, and even in life now in this modern era in 2020, you know, I say what's on my mind and it's like, I don't want anyone telling me that I can't say this because I need to say this or else I will go crazy and I will become Barry Sanchez permanently. You don't want that. Trust me. (laughs) No, I do trust you, bud. 
can you loan me 10 bucks? No. I imagine that you actually... I I live at the fucking studio, dude. What are you talking about? I'm, I'm glad it's you, more not me. I mean, I figured what... Only one podcast. This is the first podcast since, but... I mean, I figure people will find out sooner or later. But, yeah. All right. Well, um... Are you going to disinfect that couch? What's going on with all the... Are you going to disinfect this couch? Well, I mean, if anything's going to capture a virus, it would be that couch. It's the casting call couch. (laughs) For when you wear your blonde wig and come over on Tuesday nights. Where did I put that blonde wig? (laughs) It's been a while. It's been a while since I've been in the studio. <laughs> oh, so, man. so, so you don't like Queen? What's up with that? No, I like Queen. I'm just teasing right. you, bud. Right. You were teasing me before the podcast about uh, what was that thing you kept saying about stupid people who are interesting. Oh yeah, um, dumb people. They're the world's fault. Like fifty percent of people are dumb. You know. And I, I would say I'm in the 60 to 70% range when it comes to um, intelligence. But at least 50% of the people are dumb. And you got to admit that if you're making a division between the people in the world. It's like smart people and dumb people. There's at least 50% of them that are dumb. All right. And so also person is smart. People are stupid. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's different topic. Yeah, Absolutely. But if you like taking individuals, at least half of them are dumb. All right. Just by making a division. That being said, you know, 75% of the people in the world are interesting. And that's because even 50% of the dumb people, excuse me, are interesting. That 25% of people who are dumb and uninteresting Drive me crazy. Those are the people who piss me off the most. I wanted to punch a kid this weekend. A 10-year-old kid. I wanted to punch him. Why? Because he's doing 10-year-old kid shit, and he never had a dad, apparently. Oh. Well, it's... Yeah. Oh, it's sad. It's sad that a kid looks up to a stranger nearby him as this... Is like that's a man I want to get to know him, so I need to need to relate to him in some way. I yeah. find that sad. I would never look at you like that. Exactly. What a dumb ten year old. <laughs> what a dumb ten year old. Stupid kid. That's how I feel about EK's kid when he's like, I like it when you're here, Scott. I'm like, why? <laughs> I hate I hate my reflection. I'm so glad there's not a mirror in the bathroom. What are you talking about? I haven't seen my face in days. It shows. <laughs> Are you a fan of Alex Jones? You kept comparing yourself to him. Uh no, I like um, Did you used to be a fan of Alex Jones until he got all like Trumpy? Uh no, I don't like Alex Jones. I never liked Alex Alex Jones. Uh and confidentially, I never liked Donald Trump. I think The Apprentice was a shitty show. I think Donald Trump is a douchebag. And, um, <laughs> but he's the kind of douchebag we need. It's, uh, it's like, uh, the end of, um, uh, the dark Knight, Batman, the dark Knight. 
So what do you think about COVID, the World Health Organization, Bill Gates? <laughs> Did you want to talk about the WHO? Yeah, I want to hear what you have to say. And actually, uh, didn't you, you have a didn't you have a video deleted recently? I did. It was only four minutes and twelve seconds in. It got pulled off YouTube. I saw what? that on YouTube Studio today. Four minutes twelve seconds in. We got pulled last week. What was the content of that video? I cannot remember what we were talking about that early. I mean, it was probably. It didn't get pulled from Facebook. It didn't get pulled from Facebook. It got pulled from YouTube though. Four minutes in. Four minutes and 12 seconds in. I think you were talking, you're probably talking about the WHO, you know? Yeah. And, and, um, what just popped uh, up over there? Which YouTube has recent, okay. recent, YouTube has recently announced, uh, that, um, any, any, any kind of content on YouTube about COVID 19 or the cor novel coronavirus. Uh, that doesn't align with the opinion of the WHO, the World Health Organization, will be removed. Wow. Yeah. The censorship is real. I, I don't know if you read that post I, I made on on, uh, on Facebook when you posted that, but um, the censorship is real. And so um, I'm, I guess I'm lucky because I, uh, I tend to uh, graze past the coronavirus thing on my show. And the COVID nineteen thing on my show, I, I just I just grazed past it because generally the whole conversation about it is just driving me nuts. Because I mean we're all going to get it. So yeah. So what do you think about? Um, are you a conspiracy theorist at all? Yes. Do you pay attention to conspiracy theories? You're conscious yes. of them. Yes. What do you think about what is that? QAnon. That's the one that they're talking about right now. Tell me more. I think that's the that's the theory. That's the name for the theory that um, that this is all some plot to like, like this is Donald Trump saving. You know, he's gonna uh, round up all the the pedophiles. He's he's rounding up the satanic pedophile cabal, the globalists that run the the run the world. That's why Tom Hanks is stuck in Australia, and you know, such and such is getting coronavirus because they're a pedophile and this is their choice you either well well sure you know such and such is a very very reliable source so it's um <laughs> thank you yeah no problem uh i read such such and such dot com as well so i mean it's um is that what you're going to name your first your next book such and such dot com such and such dot com i'm not writing anymore what are you talking about you think i made any money i made more money doing this Anyway, so it's um. Here's the thing: it's like um, when 9/11 happened. You know, there's a bunch of conspiracy theories that came out. And it's like um. I'm sure you've heard them all: the Pentagon, you know, the you know the World Trade Center, all that stuff. There's a bunch of conspiracy theories coming out, and actually, having actually worked in the military with a security clearance, I'm going to tell you. Uh. People do not work together that well. Nobody can keep, keep a secret like that, uh, a secret that big, quiet for long. More people keep secrets about Joe Biden fingering them. All right? <laughs> uh, you think he's a, do you think he's a pedophile? Biden? Yeah. 
that you think he's friends with Epstein and the boys? Possibly. I think that guy needs to, somebody needs to get the, you, you remember those old shows where they had the hook that come out on the stage? Yeah. And like, yeah. Pull, somebody needs to do that to Joe Biden. I mean, he's definitely he's, a kid sniffer, and that's like a. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if anybody walked in here and started sniffing EK's kid, we would, we would probably run them all out of here, <laughs> whoop their ass. Ab- absolutely, and yeah, we would feed them to Bo. But I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not trying to hurt Joe Biden. That guy's on his way out, you know. Yeah. I feel bad that he's losing his mind. Every time I see a clip or a gaff of him, I'm just like that poor guy. Yeah. You know. Well, at the same time, you know, Trump's had some very strange pictures and and scenes with his daughter, and been accused of very similar things as Joe Biden. He's also had some uh, momentary lapses in intelligence, like myself. Um. If you were as rich as Joe Biden or Donald Trump, wouldn't you be sniffing young girls? I mean, they're old guys. Not my daughter and not girls that were younger than 18. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I mean. I'm willing to admit that I'm a pervert. That's why I'm not running for president. And if I did, I wouldn't try to hide any of the fucked up shit that I've ever represented myself as. I'd be like, this is who I am. I'm not saying that Donald Trump is a good man. I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm, I really dislike the guy. I really hate him. But he's the uh, he's the the Dark Knight we need, not the Dark Knight we want. You know what I mean? And and I think it has to do with the fact that he's willing to speak out against uh, this kind of censorship. And it's like the people who are protesting, um, going out to the beaches and stuff right now. I think the, those people, uh, Trump, Trump's got his got their back. You know, it's like we got to restart the economy. We got to re, you know, start moving again. We got to start uh, uh, infecting each other, which is a horrible thing to say. But we got to start infecting each other, like Sweden has. You know, we got to reach herd immunity. You know, right? Like chickenpox parties. Yeah, did you, did that happen to you when you were a kid? No, like, but so, I know the so, con- I understand the concept. Yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, when I got chicken pox, I was sent to uh, a friend's house. It's like they got chicken pox. We want, and everyone was there. You know, all the kids were there. It's like let's get the chicken pox right away. I mean, it was so bad. The chicken pox. I had a, a chicken pox right here on my eyelid, oh. and oh, it was impossible to sleep. <laughs> That's the worst. Yeah. That's where I met Barry Sanchez. Oh, <laughs> uh, this has been fun, Scott. Oh, are we done? Has it been three hours, Joe? I don't know how long we've been doing this. I have done some long ones before, though. That's what she said. <laughs> that is. That is what. That is what she always says. We did a four-hour podcast one time, I think, didn't we? About just about. I think it was early on. Yeah. How long do you usually go, Scott? I go about an hour. About I'm all right. Hour. I got another beer. I got another beer. I got another beer. What time is it, EK? Uh, 
I usually do my podcast at six, dude. This is much later than I even. Uh, well, you got to drive home. I understand. <laughs> I know, and I had this beer too. Oh, it's like, is it one of those stupid beers that Eric has? It's one of these Coors Lights. Ugh. Official sponsor of the Notcast. <laughs> Silver bullet you shoot yourself with. I'm about to get, uh, I, I have a sponsor, but so um, it's this company called Glow Fuck Yourself. They make sex toys like butt plugs and such. But um, he's kind of like home production, so he's not doing anything right now because he's been busy watching his kids because of the quarantine. So once everything lifts, that's when he's going to start making products again. He's going to start mailing me products to do, like, box openings on my show. Did you say glow? But Fuck yourself? Glow fuck yourself. Look it up on Facebook. Um, I'll pass. They have like 90,000 or they have a large amount of followers. See, I don't like being fucked. I like fucking. So, uh, they sell a lot of like butt plugs and stuff. They, they've sold butt plugs that have, uh, like bongs on them. Uh, they've also sold, I've also seen them with, I think the first one that he made was a butt plug that had like a, a door stopper on it. You know, that you go... The one that you like flick. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about? Hold on. No, no, no I don't put stuff in my butt. Huh? A door stopper. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I don't put stuff in my butt. That does remind me of a story I heard on Gavin McInnes' show. Where um, when he was a kid and it was like, we're going to give you a wedgie. They went to this one kid and was like, we're going to give you a wedgie. And the teacher caught him. You know? And Karen grabbed them and was like, I'm dragging you down the office. And they went in the right in the vice vice principal's office. And the prince, vice principal said, what now, Karen? And so um, Karen said, these two boys were about to shove a wedge of wood into another boy's butt. It's like, Karen, I got this. It's called a wedgie. I got this. Uh, That's the end of my story. Uh, at like Spotsylvania High School a couple years ago, they were hazing, like the football team was hazing one of the kids, and they fuck, they stuck a broomstick up the kid's ass. <laughs> Do y'all remember hearing about that? I do remember hearing about that. They talked about it on one of the podcasts. And then they made a. Uh, there's like a show on ABC or NBC or something like that called like. It's like American Crime or something. It's kind of like an anthology series where every season they talk like a different crime story. But one season was about like the football team who hazed the kid and stuck a broomstick up his ass. So I'm guessing that was adapted from Spotsylvania. Um, or it's just something that happens more often than I'd like to <laughs> imagine. Um, I heard rumors about that. I, I graduated Chancellor High School in 1995. And I heard rumors about that even then. Damn. Right. Yeah. Where'd you go uh, to high school, EK? All over the place. You, you didn't go to school around here? Uh, I graduated from Cortland, but I also went to Luray High School. I went to Mount Carmel Christian Academy. It was another high school, private high school. 
Is that where you got your basketball scholarship before they sent you to play for Duke? Yeah. Where you scored 3,000 three-pointers in three years? I like to keep that part of my life private. Okay, I'm sorry. Did all the boosters from Duke, that's the ones who gave you the hat collection that you have in your room? I'm not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you signed non-disclosure agreements? Well, Spud Webb had a lawsuit. Did he really? Against against DK. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of people know that. So did Muggsy Bogues. Muggsy Bogues, exactly. Yep, yep. It's a... Uh, Almost a class well, action. That was because he. That was because I'm taller, and he refused to pay me after the bet. That's right. I remember. <laughs> I thought it was for character impersonation. <laughs> I've never done blackface. <laughs> you were in a frat. They got a picture of you doing something you don't want them to have in a picture of you doing. <laughs> Ride the goat, boys. <laughs> yeah, you just keep changing. Uh, just keep oh, changing I can do it. I can do it all day long. All right, do another one. All right. Make it Mike Tyson and a pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> I like this one. You ever seen that? What's that, Green Lantern? No. What is it? That's a girl. Um, that's from a no. That's from a Frank Miller comic called "Give Us Give Me Liberty" or "Give Us Liberty," something like that. And it's about this uh, this young girl who grew up in uh, the projects in this dystopian future, and she uh, ended up joining what was the military military at the time, which was called PAX. And she was airdropped into the situation before before all this in this comic happened. Um, you know, she saw combat, you know, she for the first time, you know, she was uh, deployed for the first time. Just. Uh, I, I really want to get my head out of this shot so I can explain this. the. Um, and. Um, you should just take your head out of every shot. Your podcast might sell better. Uh, you're right. You're right about that. But the whole point <clears throat> of this is that she <clears throat> she saw it all <clears throat> at that point. You know, she went and she served. She did what she thought she should have done. And uh, the the whole rest of the story is about this. And the whole the caption above this is this. This won't kill me. I will live through this. And I think that this is a, a very powerful image in many ways, especially when it comes to the, how the story interplays into it. It's because that, you know, you, you go through horrible things in life, you know, whether it's um, the family, the alcoholic family you grew up with, or whether it's the, um, uh, uh, the military you actually live through, you know, you got to face face harsh things in life. And yeah, you will cry. You will get a bloody nose, you know, but the thing that keeps you going is that, you know, this will not kill me. This will, 
This will keep going. I will keep fighting. Anyway, that's a bummer of a background. Hold on. There we go. That's fun. I dig that. Uh, what's your favorite dystopian? Dystopian story. Tale. Um, I don't like Fallout. Like you mentioned, it's um. Is is Fallout dystopian or post-apocalyptic? Uh. All right, if it, it can be both for sure. All right, fair enough. It it is. I I would say that it is both. That being said, I agree that there's probably a line that it's post-apocalyptic. It's not the same as dystopian. Um, dystopian, probably Back to the Future too. That seems like a very, very horrible dystopian society. Um, I don't like the 2015 that's expressed in um, in Back to the Future too. That's a that's a horrible future. We should avoid that at all costs. Um, my favorite dystopian novel is 1984. Definitely. I love Orwell and that book is just so well done. And there's so many different concepts and ideas that he kind of pitches and puts out there. Uh, and a lot of them you can kind of see in modern day geopolitical, uh, situations. Sure. sure. My favorite dystopian movie is uh idiocracy well you talk like a fag and your shit's all retarded (laughs) (laughs) we just got pulled from facebook and youtube so now we're just now this is just a phone call well here here's the point idiocracy can never be made today that's right and so it's like everybody who says um that that is an actual future. Don't forget the way that the people talked in that movie. All That's right. True. Even yeah. in idiocracy, people were allowed to say stuff like that. Yep. Okay. I like money. I like money. <laughs> Shit's all fucked up. Uh yeah, anytime I see someone ask uh, on Facebook or someone ask me, what's your favorite horror movie? That's that's the one I name. Which one? Mm-hmm. Idiocracy. Uh, I wouldn't call that a horror movie. Have you, ever, have you ever seen The Changeling? No. 1980? Uh-uh. Oh, yeah. Look at the... I don't... Some people like suspense more than... Uh, less than I do. A lot of people like suspense less than I do. And I really do like suspense. And I enjoy the, suspense too. Yeah. And so uh I think the changeling, what's his name? Willard Wilford. What's his name? So George C. Scott. Yeah, I think he's like the star in that movie. But it's a really good suspense ghost story movie. And uh I highly recommend that for anybody who hasn't seen it. Also, if you want good horror, I would um and when it comes to horror, uh, the horror is the concept, you know, it, it, it's not the blood. It's not the guts. It's, it's not the, the Friday. Exactly. It's the concept. And so when it comes to horror, 
I think of more uh, along the lines of the Twilight Zone or my Exit 13 books, which are available on Amazon.com. Um, the concept is what is terrifying. And so when it comes to like a Twilight Zone episode, it's the concept that, you know, you wake up with this, what we consider a beautiful face and everyone has pig faces and that's the world you're living in. And the concept of that is very interesting. It's very, it's terrifying yeah. in many ways. Even in the the one, the the invaders. Oh my God, what a classic. The uh, invaders, is that the one where they turn off the, the power on them? No, no, the invade. Uh, no, that was the monsters of do on Maple Street. Yes. That's, that's yes. the one you're thinking of. Uh, the invaders is better because it's uh, mostly silent throughout the entire episode. And it's about this, uh, lone, lonely old woman in a farm uh, fight, uh, fighting off the she's and she's a giant exactly yes oh, wait a spoiler alert hey, whatever like, yeah holy only happened in 1961 yeah it's only on <laughs> netflix and hulu so, so i mean and i think the concept of that is what is terrifying a concept is terrifying and i think that that was what was brilliant about the twilight zone uh series is that they they could convey within like an hour uh-huh. uh, and, and a completely terrifying concept. Right. And when it, when it comes to a horror movie, you know, you got 90 minutes of blood and gore and, and stalking, you know, you know, bad. Uh, you notice how like a, a lot of internet stuff has, be, has like filtered into um, uh, horror movies these days. Where it's like somebody is like he's watching their YouTube channel twenty four seven and right right <laughs> or like the dark web yeah oh I love I love the concept what of the was dark, that dark what, web what was that paranormal activity movie that they did where it was like all like webcams and stuff like that paranormal activity the series that's what it was called paranormal activity I think I, I do think that's what it was called one through four not all of them were like that though one of like one think- of, it's like there's security footage of like their cameras in their house, but there's one that's literally like it's like paranormal activity viral or something like that. And everything is Are you thinking about VHS? No, but those are those are fun flicks too. And those are fun because the stories are so short, kind of tying back to the idea that you're talking about with Twilight Zone. Really great what? Twilight Zone episode I watched uh actually like the day before I moved in here was the one with the little boy, and everybody has to think happy thoughts. Uh, wish him in the cornfield. <laughs> yeah, wish him in the cornfield. <laughs> the uh, have you ever seen that one, Ek? Oh, you gotta watch it. If, if watch. he saw the movie, he saw the uh, remake of that. Um, or the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. Exactly. Um, that uh. I actually think that that's a that's the Beatles episode of Twilight Zone, uh, way overrated. Really? Yeah, I I enjoyed it, I, and I I knew of it because of The Simpsons, but uh, it was just fun to watch. And that concept is kind of <laughs> it is kind of scary to think about. Absolutely, and that's the whole point is that like the the concept is what is terrifying. You know, it's not the it's not the blood and the gore, it's not the stabbing. Um. One that kind of broke me up was, I forget what it's called, but 
it's like the guy is madly in love with the girl, so he goes and buys the love potion. And the guy's like, are you sure you want to buy this love potion? And then he gives it to the girl, and she's, like, obsessed with him. And then once she's obsessed with him, he doesn't want anything to do with her. Um, it reminds me of um, probably my favorite Twilight Zone episode, which is the self-improvement of Salvador Ross. Where uh, the guy, uh, he wants this girl, you know, he, he steals a car, basically, to, like, to impress her. And she's like, you know, I, you know, you're nice and everything, but I don't really, I, I'm, you're, you're not my kind of guy, right? And so he gets mad. She like clo- slams the door on him, and he punches the door, and he's like, why can't I get any, you know, a woman I want, you know? And he breaks his hand punching the door, so he goes to the hospital. When he's in the hospital, he meets this uh, old man sharing a room with him, and the old man has pneumonia. And so he, they argue about who's, uh, who's got the worst condition. And uh, so he says, I'll tell you what, I'll trade you my broken hand for your pneumonia. And so he ends up, the, he wakes up the next morning, he has pneumonia, the old guy has a broken hand. And so he, he realizes he can start trading, you know, attributes with people, you know, even years, you know. He ends up trading a guy uh, for um, uh, for his apartment and a bu- like a million dollars um, to for like uh, thirty years or something like that, and so he becomes thirty years older. But then again, he comes across a bunch of people. I'll I'll, I'll buy one year off of your life for a hundred dollars, you know, and so he he gets himself back to a younger state. You know, and so he's constantly trying to get with this girl, you know, and that's the whole purpose of what he's trying to do. And so uh, the girl keeps rejecting him, keeps keeps rejecting him. And uh, she has a father. And uh, he ends up trying to buy her father's compassion off of him for a million dollars. Buys it. His father ends up shooting him when he is finally good enough to be with his daughter because he had his father, her father's compassion. And he said, Oh, it's just a, it's a beautiful story. A spoiler alert. Sorry. I've been, woo. That's a good one though. 15 beers. This is my favorite, favorite Twilight Zone episode. Uh, one that I really liked. And I think about it sometimes when I'm getting hypnotized by my cell phone is the, the casino episode. The guy that gets all obsessed with the slot machine. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's like the first season. Um, what's interesting about that is the sound design. I think EK, if he's there, I mean, I'm sure he could be uh, intrigued about the sound sound design because um, they did this um, thing where they, it's like the clacking of coins out of a slot machine. They would take these sounds and they would like uh, make it into a kind of a, a a phrase like "play me," you know. But it was all right. in the sound design. Play me, Francis. Yes, yes, exactly. And so, um, I think that's a, a lot of what's interesting, especially about those um, older Twilight Zone episodes. Is, uh, a lot of thought and effort went into like things like sound design. Um, 
I'm trying to remember the one where it was uh ah shit the um one that has a really scary concept as far as like I don't know I've just been kind of naming episodes but one that has a really scary concept is the guys that think they've land the astronauts that think they've landed on Mars and they're out there like dehydrated and trying to f- figure out what they're gonna do and the one d- you know you know what I'm talking about um which one it's like they uh they end up they're just in like outside of Vegas or outside of Reno or something like that oh oh right with the uh, yeah I think that's actually kind of I think you're bringing this up because you think I think uh, you think that is kind of kind of based on a real situation. <laughs> uh, it seems like something that could. Be, uh, yeah, there's something about the reality of that episode. You know what I mean? It's it's not based in like a supernatural. Really, it's just a mistake. <laughs> well, like you mentioned, it's like that episode of the the monsters are due on Maple Street. Is that you don't you don't have to go very far to enter the frontier, you right? Know? Right. And and so um, a lot of people will think that you know um, you have to go into space to enter the realm of science fiction or something like that, or you got to walk into a mystical portal or a, a wardrobe or something like that. Right. It's like it's like no, if you want to face the real world, I mean, it's like it's around every single corner, you know. Right. The spectacular, the fantastic, it's around every single corner in this world. You know, you don't have to go very far to, um, especially if you have an active imagination, you know, to uh, visualize everything, you know, to see it. I mean, it's not like um, my fiction comes from nowhere. It comes from concepts and ideas. It's like um, I have this... um, in my exit 13 books, I have this, this, uh, this story about uh, a bunch of teenage kids hanging out at a lodge, you know, near a lake, and a murderer is coming to kill them. And then I just upturned it. It's like, hey, all of a sudden, a bunch of 40 somethings show up and tell you how to deal with this guy because they have a guy who can see people who are dead, you know, and they have a girl who can read thoughts, you know, or be possessed by other souls. You know, there's there's adventure and excitement around every corner in this world. Hell yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. So you like Twilight Zone. Do you like Black Mirror? Uh, I've. I've seen several episodes of Black Mirror. Um, the problem with Black Mirror is in many ways very uh, the same problem with modern cinema cinema where the um uh the the plot how has to always feature some sort of progressive idea you know and there's a twilight zone episode called the four of us are dying and it's about a guy who um could manip- manipulate his face and become anybody he chose to be and without going into that plot, it's like the whole story of that, the four of us are dying, has nothing to do with being what is um, what is right or is what is progressive or we have to include diversity. And a lot of uh, Black Mirror stuff, although 
although they have very good concepts, there is also this element of progressivism. It comes with a narrative. Exactly. An idea. It's like um, these two. Uh, uh, you seen the Have you seen the one of the two guys playing a video game? Where it's a thing they attach to their head yes, and they go this virtual. I know exactly what yeah. you're talking about, and, and how they spin that into like a progressive ideal. Exactly, it's like I can understand that that can happen. It's just that I don't understand how every single episode has to be something like that. Right. Uh, even even the one where it's this paradise beach town for uh, old people who are like, yeah. even that one it had this. Uh, it was one girl seducing another girl, but the one girl was playing a dude. So, I mean, it's there's always this progressive narrative. The story should be the point, not the progressiveness. And so, as a writer, I couldn't imagine somebody looking at my story, something that I wrote, and it's like, well, can we put a black guy in here? Can we put a gay person in here? Can we, can we put a short little Jew? Can we put a, you know, and that, and it's in itself is racist as far as I'm concerned. You right. know, sometimes a story happens in Scandinavia. Sometimes a story happens in Zimbabwe. You know what I mean? And right. unfortunately, some areas of the world are very homogenous. Yeah. Anyway. I'm running out of beer, bro. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's. I'm a, well, I'm about to get ornery. That's what I mean. About to get ornery. Mama said alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth and no toothbrush. My my regards to your dear mama. <laughs> um, another thing about Black Mirror though, too, as far as like keeping people's attention. Is if you go to watch it and you go to season one, episode one, that first episode is really heavy. I mean, it, it's it's heavy. Okay, you want to talk about that first episode? Okay, um, fair enough. I think that um, my favorite episodes. I mean, I was just saying, as far, I was just putting that out there. My favorite episodes are like uh, White Bear, which is the one about the the couple who like um. It's the one with the woman where she wakes up and she's being like recorded by everybody on their cell phones all day and she's like running around town. Yeah, that's called living in China. Um the um <laughs> let's be honest. Let's be honest. The um that episode that you're talking about is living in China. That being said, um I want to talk about Oh, the that's first the uh that's the social that's the social credit score episode I think yeah, you're yeah. thinking of. Oh, okay. I'm wrong. My bad. Uh, I, I have to uh, refresh my memory. Maybe I'll I'll watch it tomorrow or something. But um, oh, let's talk about that first episode of Black Mirror and how bold of a statement that it was to put that out. Because that is, a, of, of all the Black Mirror plots, of all of them, it is the worst. It is the worst Black Mirror plot. And it's ridiculous that it, that it even got to that point. And um, I'll be honest with you. When I watched that episode, I was like, I don't think I want to watch any more of this. However, I did. And I think that was a bold move on the people of Black, Black Mirror to put that out first. 
Why? Why are you saying these things that you say? The, um, um, if you have a shitty story, if you present, for example, um, Black Mirror, as well as Twilight Zone is a short story kind of narrative. Yeah. But if, if you're pre presenting a short story kind of narrative uh, and you have like a bevy of them, like two handfuls um, of, of stories to tell and you have one season with Netflix, lead, lead with the shitty one, end with the best one. All right, that makes sense. Absolutely. That makes sense. As a writer who has um, uh, failed to <laughs> to omit some certain certain aspects of my writing, yeah, that's my advice. What's your before we get off here? What's your favorite episode of Black Mirror? I'd have to say it's the one with the the Star Trek dude. I haven't watched that one yet. I'm sure um, you're talking about. That's from the new. That's from the newest season, right? Yeah. Um, I, I I like it because it's it's um, kind of characteristic of that kind of character, and uh, even though it's a social justice kind of uh, social justice kind of episode, um, there are those people in the world. These um, many many tyrants, and uh, coming back to Dungeons and Dragons or role-playing games and others like them, like Heroes Unlimited, um, you'll run across people who are dungeon masters or game masters who are little tyrants. And um, these little tyrants, tyrants, um, they will rule their Dungeons and Dragons world or Heroes Unlimited world with an iron fist. And you're just like, uh, if you play with that kind of guy, you're just... Uh, I I will never vote for you for president because you are the kind of person who doesn't deserve power. And just like every single Karen in the world, you know, it's you are the kind of person who doesn't who doesn't deserve power. And I think the difference is that women don't play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> so is that your advice to society is for women to play Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> Well, I don't, I don't think that they, uh, for example, when you play like a role-playing game, there are aspects in yourself in every single character, even if you're the game master, the dungeon master, or the character you're playing. And if you're the dungeon master or the game master, and you are a tyrant in your world, then people aren't going to enjoy the game. And so... Women don't necessarily need to play, need to play Dungeons and Dragons, but you need to understand that if you're trying to be a tyrant on social media by telling people what they should and shouldn't say or unfriending people or like uh, protesting people who say what you think that they shouldn't, shouldn't, should or should not say, you're a tyrant. All right. Nobody likes a tyrant in Dungeons and Dragons or the real world. Agreed. I definitely agree with that. Scott, how can everybody find you and all uh, your all your glory? I would I would really appreciate it if you went over to patreon.com slash shockmonkey radio, become a patron uh, for three dollars a month, the cost of a beer, 
you know, a month, you can get full access to all of our video content, such as it is. Uh, that being said, you can also uh, subscribe to my podcast on uh, wherever you get your podcast from. I don't know. There's so many. And so uh, look for Shock Monkey Radio. Um, if you want to email me and like yell at me, uh, e- uh, email me at madman at fxbgpr.com. That's uh, the name I roll with, Madman. Um, be sure to ch- check out my books. Search for Scott L. Robbins with two, two T's and two B's on Amazon. I got uh, like five books up there for digital download, uh, like three Exit 13 books, uh, uh, Ravings of a Madman, and The Bunny Years, a memoir. That's where you can find me. Beautiful. And then EK has all that information, I'm sure. So I can, we can copy and paste that in, into the description. Everybody sure, can see the links. Sure, sure, sure. Hopefully we get you one or two book sales. <clears throat> I don't care about that. And then you can buy me a beer when all this is over. You mean tomorrow? Yeah. Sure. Oh, so I need to bring beer tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Are you coming over tomorrow to do your podcast? Yeah, I'm coming over tomorrow to do my podcast. It's uh, it's live every Tuesday night. Well, you've been doing it from home, haven't you? Yeah, but I want to come see you guys. All right, well, we want to see you too. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, well, then I'll see you tomorrow, Scott. Absolutely. See you in a few hours, man. All right, bud. You have a good night. You too. Bye. Ah. That was fun. That was fun. Oh.